Great. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Junction Church. Welcome to everybody watching online. Welcome to everybody in Leicester. And hello to everybody in the room. Uh, great to have you with us today. And if this is your first time with us, a, a warm welcome. We uh, hope you enjoy the service. Take us as you find us. Yep, we're passionate. We believe it. We, we love Jesus. It's raw. And I love it. Uh, but uh, great to have you with us today, and uh, of course, uh, we're on part two today of uh, a teaching series called Above and Beyond. And uh, of course, uh, next Sunday, uh, as has already been mentioned, we're going to be receiving a special offering uh, next Sunday called Above and Beyond, and that's an opportunity for us to really sow into vision and uh, to really help us to go above and beyond as a church. We've got some serious vision going on, and we've got some serious dreams going on, and we're believing for God to really provide what we need so that we can see those dreams and visions come to pass. So will you prayerfully consider uh, what you can give? Be generous and uh, you know, help us out. We would really, really love it if you do that. You can, of course, go to the website, junctionchurch.net forward slash give, and all the information is on there as well. Uh, this uh, little teaching series, Above and Beyond, uh, birthed out of an experience I had in the depths of the winter. Actually, it was early January when I felt that God really challenged me uh, not to sink. Uh, after having done pretty well over 2020, I felt myself sinking a little bit through circumstances, through all, all the stuff that's going on. And so I really felt that God challenged me to go above and beyond not down and out, but above and beyond. And so that's where this uh, little teaching series is, is birthed uh, from. Uh, at the end of the message today, stick about, because I'm going to be making some declarations over you. So uh, stick around for that. Also in a moment, I'm going to read some verses from Psalm 121. But before I do that, I want to tell you why these verses are significant. Uh, uh, back in uh, February 2020, can you believe... Seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? Uh, but I was uh, invited out to Germany to speak at a conference out there uh, in Stuttgart, great city down the south of Germany. And uh, it was actually a big, uh, the Volksmission conference that had people from right across Europe there. It was kind of funny, well, funny now. Um, but when you look back, you realize just how prevalent the virus was at that time. Uh, where was Roy Todd in a conference? with people from all over Europe, right, uh, traveling through hotels, you know, staying in hotels, traveling on airplanes, no masks, and I'm alive. Amazing, isn't it? You know, just, just unbelievable. I'm my wife and my child as well, I have to let you know. But uh, we were over there, and uh, I did something that I have never really done before when I went to, uh, to speak in Germany, which is that I, I felt challenged not to bring any preaching notes with me, which is a sort of a stupid thing to do, because you want to wear your belt with your braces. Does that make sense? As a preacher, you want to go out and just be prepared. But I felt God challenged me not to bring any notes, because he was going to give me a word <laughs> when I was at the conference. So I traveled out, and the first day, I got nothing. I mean, I got absolutely nothing, and uh, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, you know, if you're going to give me a word, would you mind hurrying up, because I'm on soon, 
And I, I felt a little bit tired actually at that time, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, go and have a little rest. Well, you know, I need, I need a revelation, not a rest, you know. But actually that was the kind of revelation I got, go and have a sleep. I rested. When I woke up, boom, Psalm 121 came right into my spirit, and I knew that that's what I had to speak on. I just knew it. God said, I'm going I'm to speak to these, these folks. And I did, and I have to tell you, in that conference, there was an incredible response. The glory of God, it felt like it just fell on that meeting that night. And there wasn't, I don't think anybody didn't respond. Everybody just responded. They had so many problems. A thousand people up just gathered around again in the middle of a pandemic, but we didn't know it then, you know. Uh, just responding to the word of the Lord. And it was Psalm 121, which, of course, we didn't know at that time uh, about the global pandemic and what was going to be happening and so on. But it became an anthem into my spirit. I, I realize now why. I realized what the Holy Spirit was trying to do at that time. Let me read the two verses from Psalm 121 uh, to you so that you can have a think about it for yourself. The psalmist says these words, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And then he answers, my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to notice something about this. Stick with me. I want you to notice something about this. The first line of this psalm encourages us essentially to do three things. Number one, it encourages you to stay rightly positioned. Number two, it encourages you to maintain correct posture. And number three, it encourages you to keep a proper perspective. Notice the three P's. Number one, position. Number two, posture. Number three, perspective. Let's take a look and let's have a think about these. Staying rightly positioned. Look what the psalmist says. I lift up my eyes. Nobody else can do that for me. Nobody else can cause that to happen for me. I've got to do that. I have got to lift up my eyes. So this speaks to me of intentionality. I wrote on the Facebook the other day. I don't write on Facebook very much these days. But I wrote on the Facebook the other day, don't drift, but live intentionally. Don't drift. Don't just drift along. Live intentionally. This is what the psalmist is encouraging us to do. I, I will lift up my eyes. I'm going to keep focused. The temptation in tough times is to run away. That's always the temptation. When you're going through a tough time in your life, the temptation is to run away. To run away. That's what... That's what you know, the Old Testament prophet Jonah did. He ran away. He ran away. And every time you try to run away from God, how many of you know that the devil always provides the transport? <laughs> On that occasion, it was a whale. So when you try to run away from God, life suddenly becomes a little easier in one sense because you, you think it's really easy to do this. And that's the enemy making it easy for you. But the psalmist here is encouraging us to stay positioned. Yes. 
and to stay positioned in the purpose of God. And you have got to make sure that in the storms of life, you are staying in position. The storms come and they want to scare you and they want to knock the faith out of you. But you've got to just face the storm. Stay positioned. Don't let that storm scare you away. I remember a few years ago, Lydia and I, we were out in uh, uh, Boston, Massachusetts. We were out there, and then I was doing some speaking around there. And, uh, and uh, it was a thunderstorm, middle of the summer, of course. Thunderstorm. I've never seen the like of it before. Lightning from every angle you could think of. And we were walking through this beautiful park, and everybody was hiding. And I said, Lydia, let's enjoy a walk. The thing is, we've been through a real tough year. So in one sense, I said, what is this storm? If we can come through those experiences, what is this compared to that? And I looked at the storm. I remember talking. I said, Lydia, excuse me. I said, give me what you've got. It's like Forrest, it's like Forrest Gump. You remember in the movie, Forrest Gump, he starts shouting at the storm. Or, or, or it wasn't Forrest. It was the captain, wasn't it? Give me what you've got. And sometimes that's the kind of position you have to take. You mustn't allow that storm to scare you. You must stay in position. And that's what the psalmist is encouraging us to do. I'm going to lift my eyes. But the second thing is that it encourages us to maintain a correct posture. I lift up my eyes. The temptation, of course, when you're going through the tough times of life is that you put your hand down. It's very difficult to lift your eyes up when your head is, you look like a zombie. It doesn't make any sense. So posture means everything. When you're going through the storms of life, you've got to maintain a correct posture. In other words, even on the worst day of your life, faith says, I'm going to... I'm going to stay in position and I'm going to dare to keep looking up. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep looking up even if the storms of life are distracting me and trying to pull me here and here and here. But I am going to stay positioned and I am going to stay in faith and I'm going to keep looking up. Where else can I look to? I'm going to keep looking up to God. I'm going to maintain a perspective of praise no matter what is going on in my life on your worst day. Can I encourage you to keep looking up? It's not about denying your problems. I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make. They get into a faith that denies the existence of problems and it says, I don't have problems. I just have the victory all the time. Well, that's not necessarily true, but faith just keeps looking up even when it hurts, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when life is tough, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm going to keep my posture, looking up, praising, whether I feel it, whether I don't feel it, above, beyond, that's my posture, a posture of praise, and I will not move from this place. And I believe that this is what the Lord is saying to a whole generation in these weird days in which we're living in. And then number three, not only is this, does the psalmist encourage us to stay rightly positioned, and not only does he encourage us to maintain a correct posture, but number three, it also encourages us to keep a proper perspective 
on life. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Now that is not a brilliant translation, I've got to tell you, of that psalm. A better translation of that psalm would be this. I will lift up my eyes, not to the hills, uh-uh, but above the hills. And I love that. I'm not, I'm not merely looking to the hills. There's a metaphor there about, you know, the hills, the mountains. Sometimes in life you face mountains of challenge, mountains of difficulty. You've got a financial mountain to climb. And you've got relational mountains to climb in order to put things right. And you've got, you know, a mountain to climb, a mind, facing a mountain of difficulty in your life. So many things going on, it's like a mountain. But the psalmist is encouraging us, don't merely look at the mountain, but I'm going to lift up my eyes above those hills. That's not, that's not anything like my God. My God is so much bigger than the mountain. So much bigger than my problems. So much bigger than my difficulties. So much bigger than the storm. So much bigger than anything that's in my way. I'm lifting up my eyes. I'm lifting up my eyes. I'm seeing my God. And he's above that mountain. Get a vision of who God really is. I think that's half the problem sometimes as Christians. The reason why we pray such small pathetic prayers... It's because we see a small, pathetic God. So then our prayers are mediocre, and they're these little, you know, prayers at the end of the day, and then you fall asleep halfway through the prayer, you know, and it's the same old boring prayers you pray every day. Listen, if you see a big God, suddenly your prayers begin to change. And your prayers change from small to big. I believe that my God is big. And he wants us to believe big. And he wants us to have big faith. Not little faith. He wants us to believe his word. Keep a proper perspective. I'll lift up my eyes. I will lift up my eyes above those hills. The next question the psalmist asks himself is such an interesting question. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? Now, the thing about this question is that when the psalmist asks this question, he knows the answer already. He's not asking a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Sometimes he's ask, he, you've got to ask yourself questions that you already know the answer to to remind yourself of the truth of who God is. Where does my help come from? Where? In other words, the psalmist is reminding himself, where is the source of my provision? Who provided for me in the past? He's reminding himself of God's goodness. He's reminding himself of where his help has come from. Where does my help come from? Let's think back in my life. Why am I still alive today? Why am I still here? Do you remember those miracles that you helped? Where does my help come from? I think back to the early years of the Junction Church. Every week was just a miracle. Just surviving was a miracle. Just every week. And then I remember, oh, I probably shouldn't tell you this story, but I will. But I, mean, I remember a man of wealth came into the church, and um, he made big promises. And... Um, I'm never flattered by any of that stuff, but, you know, 
he began to give into the church, and part of me was thinking, great, it's, you know, we don't have to worry, but there was a little part of me that felt uneasy with it. Anyway, this giving began to come with strings attached. If you'll do this, then I'll give. If, and I felt, I felt so disturbed in my heart. If there's one thing that God has always taught me is that he is the source of provision. No individual will ever have that power. So one day I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do something. It was the stupidest thing as a pastor I've ever done. I wrote to this guy and I said, listen, I, I need you to know I love you. And I want you to stop giving because you can never buy influence. Your, your giving will never buy you influence. You give to God and that's it, but it's never going to buy you influence. Well, the giving stopped. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, it was from that point that this church began to grow. It was from that point, it was like God saying, okay, now you get it. Where does your help come from? It doesn't come from any one individual. Your help comes from the Lord. And I've got to tell you, time and time and time and time again, we saw the provision of God. We saw the protection of God. We saw supernatural provision from God time and time again. Where does my help come from? In other words, where, where am I rooting my expectation? Am I, am I rooting my expectation in people? Am I rooting my expectation in the government? God help you. I don't condemn politicians, but it's never a good idea to root your expectations in them. You know, they campaign in poetry and govern in prose, is what one man said. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to root my, my expectation in anybody or anything other than my God, who I'm lifting up my eyes to. Where does my help come from? There's nobody like him. There's nobody that can compare to him. Why would I ever root my expectation anywhere else other than in his amazing power and might and dominion and strength? Where does my help come from? Where? Hey, there's, there's a question for you today, friend. Where where's your help come from? Where are you looking for help? Where are you looking for help? Where, what are you believing for for your life? Who are you believing for your life? Have you, have you submitted everything to God and said, Lord, will you do something amazing with my life? Have you stopped uh, putting the limitations on yourself and recognized that with this amazing God, nothing is impossible? I, I'm always amazed. You know, I'm just a little Irish boy brought up in West Belfast. It was such a rough area. Even the dogs walked about in twos around there, I'm telling you. I mean, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Like, I, I am just constantly amazed. But in the midst of all of that stuff, I put my faith in Jesus. And I had this on-PC faith. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a middle-class faith. It was a raw faith. The dare to believe God. And you know something? I have to tell you, there have been times when I've not got all the technical details right. Not even sure if I've got all the theology right all the time. But I think God can work through all of that stuff. And he says, I can see you trust me. Time and time again, I've seen the provision of God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed-begging bread, said the psalmist. I get that. That's my God. Hey, you know something? That's your God too. Where are you looking, where are you looking for help from? Lord, Lord, if you'll just, you know, I'm, I'm looking for help in, in people or a, or a future husband or a future wife. What the heck are you talking about? If you put God first, 
God will take care of the rest. That one hit home, didn't it? Let's move on to the next point now, shall we? Where does my help come from? And then he finishes off, my help comes from the Lord. And look at this next part, and I love this. I love it. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He, he links the source of his help to God's creativity. And that's what I love about God. God is able to create miracles even when you're going through a mess. Even when it looks like the chips are down and you're out. But faith looks above and beyond. Even past a global pandemic. Even past the discouragement. Even past all the stuff that we're going through. But faith looks up. I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? It is him and him alone. It's his creative genius that makes a way where there doesn't even seem to be a way. That's my testimony time and time again. God's power is real. I was telling the people in the last service, and then I'm going to finish. Are you still with me here? I was up, I was up preaching in, in, the, in the Yorkshire, where Fraser's from, and they have their own variant of the virus. And I, well done. I was up preaching there. This was like, it must have been 20 years ago, and I was this young preacher full of raw faith, believing God. It was a Saturday night meeting, and a lady came into the meeting. She was an old farmer's wife, and uh, not an educated lady, but she just had this faith that was a simple faith, trusted God no matter what. And she'd been diagnosed with cancer. I can't remember the exact type of cancer she had, but she'd been diagnosed with cancer. And she felt she had a word in her heart. Again, you just got to take what she said as it is. And she's, she felt in her heart, if I go to that meeting and get that Irish guy to pray for me on Saturday night, I'll get healed. That was her faith. So she came along to the meeting. And uh, so I preached. And then at the end of the meeting, I'm praying for people to be healed. And the lady comes out to the front. So I put my hand on her head and I'm building up my prayer because that's what you used to do back then. Uh, you know, build it up and make it sound anointed and then get to that peak point where you say the name of Jesus a certain way. How many of you remember prayers like that? Jesus. And there's like a steam train and you're building up. It's like, and I'm not even quarter of a way through my prayer. And the lady stops me and she said, thank you very much. That's enough. Now I'm healed. And she went back to your seat. And I thought to myself, no, you can't be healed. I'm not finished my prayer yet. But she, absolutely having none of it, she went back to her and said, that was it. Well, this intrigued me. I, I, I couldn't understand this. And a number of weeks later, I called up the pastor of the church. And I said, Do you remember that night I came in? And that lady rudely interrupted me when I was praying to get healed. She thought she was healed before I'd even got to the healing bit of the prayer. Then what happened? Oh, he said, amazing lady, full of faith, on PC faith. But uh, she just trusts God and believes God. She said, so she um, was diagnosed with uh, cancer, certain type of cancer. Then uh, she went to see her doctor the following week, and she made an appointment. She walked in, and she said, again, on PC, doctor, she said, I'm healed. <laughs> the doctor said, well, come on now. Uh, you know, this is very serious. No, I'm healed. Just confirm it, and I'll be out of your way. And the doctor was really concerned. He thought maybe now she developed other problems as well, you know. 
So anyway, they did more tests and more examinations, and the results came through. Amazingly, the doctor was amazed. This is where the cancer was, but the new results have come through. There isn't even a hint of the illness in your body. Now, do I understand everything about divine healing? I don't even understand the first thing about divine healing, but I tell you what, I want to have some faith like that old lady had. And you know what? You know what? Even if it's a bit on PC, and even if it gets a bit misunderstood, I'd rather have a faith that's a little bit misunderstood than an acceptable faith that just walks around and wants to be normal and wants to be sane. I don't want to be normal. I want to be a man of faith. Anybody else? And that's the kind of faith that God is provoking from a generation. We need it. Our world needs it like never before. We need to trust God like never before in our lives. Above and beyond, I will lift up my eyes. Above those hills, above those problems, above those challenges. Where does my help come from? Doesn't come from this or that or the other thing. My help comes from the Lord, the creator genius who's able to work a miracle in a mess, who's able to do the impossible, who's able to do what everybody else says can't be done, but our God says it can be done. And I believe that the best days are ahead for the church. Did you hear what I just said there? Oh, the church is dying. The church is, you know, full of uh, older folks, you know, who don't have a lot. Well, that's not the case in the Junction Church. I'm the old one. And come on, you've got to get a bit of fire in your belly, friend. You can't just have this half-hearted faith that when you hit a storm, you go and you hide away. Faith looks up even in the midst of the storm. Well, I've preached longer than what I should have. Would you like to stand to your feet? Come on, stand to your feet. I want everybody in Leicester to stand to your feet. By the way, you know we've got a whole congregation watching this service in Leicester. You do know that? And uh, loads of people at home. If you're sitting in your living room, you can uh, stand to your feet. Put your coffee down just for a moment. Get your little family together. Stand to your feet. And I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to say some things over you. And I believe I felt in my heart to make these declarations today. And then we're going to get into a time of worship. And we're going to give our God some praise. I believe that there's a prophetic anointing on these declarations that I'm about to make. If you have some faith in your spirit, latch hold of what God is wanting to say. Today, the Lord says, it is time. It is time to rise above discouragement and beyond your disappointments. It's time. The Lord says, it is time to rise above failure and beyond your past. It is time. It's time 
to rise above hopelessness and listen and beyond your unbelief it's time it's time to rise above worry and beyond your fears it's time to rise above mediocrity and beyond your limitations it is time to rise above intimidation and beyond yourself it is time to rise above negativity and beyond your cynicism it's time it's time and let me quote to you a Bible verse our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you could ever ask or think or imagine so father today I pray that as we go above and beyond we will know your presence like we've never known it before in Jesus name now come on let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now we give you praise